This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to a special quarantined episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'm joined by Jordan and Brady today. Um, it's going to be a bit of a weird episode. Um, so if you have been in a coma for the last five months and somehow this is the first piece of media you are consuming since you woke up, there is an international worldwide pandemic that has basically brought the sports world and the world at large to a grinding halt. So... Um, where we last left this season of Georgia state men's basketball, uh, Georgia state falls to Georgia Southern in a repeat of the home loss, basically that we saw during the regular season. Um, so let's, let, let's start there before we go into the giant bigger coronavirus situation, as it relates to Georgia state sports, let's get the Southern talk out of the way. So Georgia state fell to Georgia Southern by a score of 81 to 62. Now, looking at the numbers right off the bat, that is not a pretty loss. Um, what are some of the takeaways that we saw that maybe comparing and contrasting the two Georgia State losses to Southern at home this year? Comparing, the second halves played out very similarly. Mm-hmm. And they were both marred by the same problem of Georgia State just did not shoot the ball well. The particular number that just bounces off the box score is four of 27 from three point for Georgia state. That is some Houston Rockets level ineptitude from the three point <laughs> arc. And way back when this game actually happened and we had sports and everything was fun again. Uh, I asked coach Lanier about whether the four of 27, if the numbers were because of bad shots or forced shots or whether it was just they didn't go in. And he thought in the first half that there were some forced looks. But in the second half, it was a lot of like good action leading to decent shots that just didn't fall. And I, I tend to agree. In the first half of the second half, so <laughs> minutes 20 30, to 10 yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the second half, before everything went totally off the rails for the second home game against Southern Row, it was still a game. It was a one-point game at halftime. Georgia State didn't shoot well in the first half, but it was still 34, 33 and a half. And it didn't feel until the end of the game like a re- repeat performance. But in that 10 minute stretch, when Georgia Southern was still on top, Georgia State really had real chances running good offense, getting looks, playing decent defense. And the shots just weren't falling, and then everything went off the rails. It was the same thing with transition defense not being there and Georgia Southern forcing turnovers and just getting out in transition. And it just it all snowballed again. It was the same thing. It was a very frustrating conclusion given that, that you, everything we talked about leading up to the game was, well, let's not have the same thing happen. And they should – be you know ready for what george southern has to show and not want that to happen again and for 20 minutes it was about a good bit better but it just ended up being the same result and led to what at that point was the season ending for just georgia state and losing at home instead of getting a chance to go to new orleans and go to the ncaa tournament obviously the rest of the stuff that played out probably made the 
the way the game went more frustrating for Georgia Southern fans because they were the ones who were going to have a chance at the NCAA tournament. That just kind of got taken away from the players. But it feels like we talked about last, I can't quote the podcast we did last time when we talked about the Georgia Southern home loss the first time, but I feel like we probably said missed opportunity a few times. And I would just have to say the exact same thing as far as this game. And I even think you could open that up to make that kind of the headline of the team's performance over the course of the season. I mean, missed opportunities, shots aren't falling. There's so many opportunities where you can point to that show this, this could have been an opportunity for the team to take a next step forward or to get over the hump in some specific kind of isolated situations. When you pull back and look at it, there's kind of a pattern of a lot of moments throughout the season that, we talked about maybe the shots weren't falling this year. You know, the 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 net got smaller, whatever you want to say. But it it in one game, maybe that could be, you know, talked away. But over the course of a season, the same kind of situations kept arising in which Georgia State, you know, w- was uh, right there leading or within one at the half, like you said uh, at the last Georgia Southern game. And then they come out and – show the same kind of level of performance and then you can't really blame it on the shots not falling it has to come back to are the players executing are the players being put in a position to execute is it a coaching situation like where where does the fault get placed at the feet of for the season and ultimately a 19 win season is also not anything to scoff at considering you lost your entire starting five and changed coaching rosters i mean like it's i think the team deserves a lot of credit for the season that they had and all of this is kind of just nitpicking from a position of where we're sitting where georgia state has been good for a long time and that's the expectation that has been set and now you take maybe even just one step behind that it kind of feels like the world is crumbling a little bit yeah i think that's an important point to say it's okay to be disappointed with how this season went for georgia state basketball because where the standard has been set this isn't the norm anymore or this isn't expected to be the norm and it was still a 19-13 season it was still above 500 12 and 3 at home top 4 in the conference that's just not, not the goal anymore for Georgia State basketball because of what has come in the last decade and so i would not be say, sitting here saying something like you can't be disappointed because, you know, that's what sports is about. Sports is about going to the NCAA tournament or, in this case, at least setting yourself up for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament before it gets canceled. <laughs> and Georgia State didn't do that. And Georgia State, in a lot of ways, eliminated themselves from that, be it literally in this game or just in other games that they had a chance to win that would have helped out their seeding or not led to kind of what felt like a snowballing of losses near the end of the year, the exception of the Little Rock game. I was going to say, even the Little Rock game, you could put a little bit of an asterisk on because they weren't playing at full strength. They'd already locked up the top seed in the conference. I mean, when you lose three out of your last four, close out the regular season, I don't know if you can... That's a, a mantra that you hear a lot in college basketball is that you want to be peaking at the right time. You want to be playing your best basketball when it matters. And I don't think that this team was playing their best basketball in March. I no. think that we really saw them play their best uh, in like December, January, when mm-hmm. they went and won, you know, nine of 10 in a, like in a row, you know, you have from Prairie View, 
uh, all the way to Charlotte, you know, Dartmouth, that run that ended there with, you know, going up against Middle Georgia State. Obviously, it's not going to be the level of competition there is, is what it is. But getting nine wins in 10 games, I mean, that's that's a great marker for a team that just didn't take the step forward from there. And the problems that were plaguing them in the wins were coming, even though the, the shooting numbers maybe were slightly elevated during that stretch that were covering up some of the weaknesses that the, the team was experiencing. And then once the shooting kind of dried up a little bit, the weaknesses of the team that were covered previously by those, the shooting splits kind of started becoming more and more nagging issues that we saw follow this team throughout the rest of the season. So I just did the uh, the turn of saying, you know, have expectations, be disappointed, it's fine. And so on this side of things, I'll take the tempered point of view and kind of my take, and it's it's not a particularly hot take. The reason for the struggles is just you had two really contributors from last year's team come back and play. I mean, Kane and Damon were both heavily involved last year and Nelson played, but he didn't nearly have the role that he had. So I almost wouldn't even include him. That's why I just say two, because it, it, Nelson Phillips in this season was just doing so much more and asked to do so much more than he was his freshman year. But even if you include him, it's three of the rotation who really played and the rest of the guys a couple of them hadn't played in a season because they sat out because of the transfer. So I think you had a combination of just running out of gas and also just it's it's a lot easier when you've got a team full of seniors like Georgia Southern did or like Texas State did or like South Alabama did to come together, coalesce, and start putting that winning basketball together because they've been through maybe some of, them, some of the seasons like what Georgia State just finished with. So I think if you're looking for an optimistic tone with all of this, it's that I would bet that each of the teams that are finished above you in the Sun Belt have had seasons like this where they struggled. And at least them, they put it together as upperclassmen and had better years and were in the positions they were in at the end of the year. And so there's no reason Georgia State can't do that, mostly because, as we've mentioned a couple of times, so much is coming back on this team. You're not losing hardly anything. I also kind of want to take this opportunity to dive a little deeper into the kind of the construction of the team, how we saw it play out this year. Uh, a lot was up in the air coming into the 1920 season. You know, you obviously you graduate and lose your starting five and your coach. There's going to be roster turnover. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty. But with, the way it kind of shook out is the top four contributors on this team in points, rebounds, and assists all you know all these major stat categories you see basically the same four names pop up you've got kane williams justin robert damon wilson and Corey allen those four are basically the top four contributors of your team and a lot of the times that georgia state was struggling this year the bigs were getting eaten up inside the easy the easy example is to point at Georgia Southern in both the games played at Georgia state, Georgia Southern's bigs were absolutely feasting uh, on Georgia state's uh, interior defense. I mean like that, that you could go back and watch some of the tape from that game and just, they were getting whatever they want. And Southern also in that last, uh, the playoff game, only made four threes as well. They only shot 19 compared to Georgia state's 27, but it's not like they were killing us from outside the arc either. It was a lot of, 
big man production, getting inside and just kind of imposing their will on. And a lot of, you know, those guys are seniors and they're experienced and they obviously had a leg up on kind of the inexperienced front court that Georgia State was putting out, you know, the rotation between Dave or between. Alan Thomas and, you know, Chris Clerkley seeing a little bit of action down there as well. You know, the rotation in inside when the shots weren't falling for Georgia state, that could have been an opportunity to lean on, you know, some more experienced bigs that they just didn't have. And I think that was a big factor in kind of the uh, exposing of Georgia state's weaknesses over the course of the season. Yeah. I mean, coach Lanier, alluded to this many times during the year that he thinks that the way they play defense feeds into the way they play offense. And it's the Southern game, just as an example, when the the game was getting bad, it was because they weren't getting stops on defense. And so the defense wasn't feeding anything positive into the offensive side of things. And even when they were getting stops, there were some instances of Isaiah Crawley getting offensive rebounds. Southern ended up with 19 second chance points in the game. And of, of Isaiah Crawley's 16 rebounds on the night, nine of them were offensive. So he almost had a double double just with offensive rebounds, not even factoring the defensive ones. Um, And it was also instances where, at least twice, Georgia State ran really good defense for about 26 seconds. Southern got a look at three, and it went in. And and, it, and watching that go down, it was just one of those things where you just go, not your night. When those shots are going in at the end of the shot clock after you had put together a decent possession, you just got to kind of say, it's not your night. But I think that a lot of that, if you're looking for next year, whatever makeup the front court rotation has, I think there's a reason to believe that there were some learning experiences and things can be better. And I think that that's going to be an important part of the coach linear system taking the next step is whether it's the freshman, whether it's Sasemi coming in after transferring in from Cincinnati or whether it's someone who isn't on the roster yet, you know, still got a whole off season to get through someone setting the tone in the defensive end with getting rebounds and kind of being the focal point inside on defensive end and just kind of asserting this is what I think that's what coach the near is looking for is, is the tone to be set on the inside because I think that he, he believes, and I don't think he's necessarily wrong that the way that they are on defense dictates the way the team is going to go. And I don't think I think that the thing that lapsed the most other than just three point shooting down the stretch was just that there are a lot of games where defense was getting away for long stretches of the game. And that wasn't necessarily happening in the early parts of the year. Before we leave this topic of kind of like the front court rotation, I do want to say that Jalen Thomas definitely showed a lot of potential and flashes of brilliance throughout the season. Even if you take just that, I mean, we keep harping on this last game because it's the one most recent in our minds, but that Southern game, he was really holding his own for a lot of the first half. And it was a reason why the game was so close. You know, it was a one point difference at the half. And then you kind of see the experience of Southern's front court take over and you saw him get into foul trouble. And then that, you know, we all you know how the game finished, but I do want to say that I personally looking forward to seeing how Jalen Thomas takes the step forward in year two. Again, 
with Coach Lanier learning more about, you know, the Sun Belt and how, you know, the, the Sun Belt plays, but also, you know, how can he help his guys get to that next level? And, you know, it's just going to be, again, we have size coming in from Sasemi and, you know, again, the, the rest of the roster isn't set for next year, but Jalen Thomas definitely did show a lot of promise. There were times where he was a little bit, he kind of got lost on defense and got um, just in general, you know, maybe taken out of plays, but I think that he has the potential to be a force in the Sun Belt in the coming years, provided that he puts the work in the offseason, you know, getting stronger, all that stuff kind of just comes with a prerequisite of playing in a D1 conference like this. I mean, as an example of just how much we may or may not know about the upcoming years, we weren't really sure who Corey Allen or Justin Roberts were coming into this season. And on balance, I don't think it's at all controversial to say that they're definitely contributors. They're going to do a lot for this team as long as they're wearing Georgia state uniforms. And there's Jojo Toppin, who's sat out this past year, transferring in from Georgia. There's Elio Sisteme who transferred in from Cincinnati and Ryan Boyce who transferred from Memphis eligibility status in the first semester of next year, TBD. The NCAA seems like they're airing more on the side of the student athlete nowadays. So it's very possible he's playing the entire year next year. And he has either three or four years of eligibility, depending on how it shakes out. And Jojo Toppin is also going to be a sophomore next year. And so it'll be another situation like with Justin Roberts, where you've got a guy for three years as a transfer. And so the people we know, the known quantities of this team that are coming back, we feel pretty good about, especially if they do take the improvements in the areas they need to. That's going to be a quality team in the Sun Belt. And then you add in the, I guess, enigma of those guys that I just named who we don't really know. And they could be real dynamic players for this team, just like we weren't really sure on a guy like Justin Roberts or a guy like Corey Allen. And the other factor in all of this is, I mentioned it maybe generally just now talking about the other teams at the top of the conference, but more specifically, Texas State had Nigel Pearson, Eric Terry. They had some seniors that were really leading the team. I don't have the exact list in front of me, but I know that they're losing a lot. I know that most of South Alabama's core is graduating. They had a lot of seniors as well. And Georgia Southern, and we'll get to their coaching news in a little while, but just on the personnel side, they've also lost just about every major contributor but their point guard, Wishart, and Quan Jackson. And so, and if Georgia State can continue setting the Coach Lanier style and setting what this team is going to be under this coach, the rest of the league it's setting up to be a situation where Georgia state is going to be among the best teams coming back. And to your point of kind of uncertainty with the roster turnover, we do have one kind of concrete bit of news to talk about. Uh, Kevante Ivory announced on Twitter today, as of the recording of this episode, I believe that um, he's opening up his recruitment and will probably be leaving the Georgia state program. So that is uh, one piece of the puzzle that will not be returning next year, but that does open up another scholarship for coach Lanier to go out and maybe get another transfer or offer to a, you know, somebody else, a local recruit. So there are opportunities to improve this roster and the people that are already in this program aren't locked into the 
the season they had this year. I mean, they kind of just let this one wash down the river, learn from it, take what you can and move on. And now you have a extended potentially off season to, uh, you know, go in and improve, get in the weight room, do all that other stuff, but then really just gel together more as a group and really set the expectations and the culture that we're going to be taking on and, you know, moving this program into a new kind of identity moving forward under this new coaching staff as well. Yeah, and not to let it go by without just talking about Cavante. Um, definitely felt like there was, a, there was a stretch at the start of conference play where he started playing really well in cohesion with Nelson off the bench, providing some energy. And it felt like the first time we really seen him like flourish since coming to campus. And it was like, this could be a guy. And it didn't stay throughout the year. And I just think with the mounting amount of players that I just went through that are joining in the rotation that it might've just been a seeing where he was at as a junior and saying, this might not be where I get the most opportunity to play. And that best of luck to him and wherever he ends up, he can definitely play. And I think that it's a, a real case of what could have been given that he was recruited by coach Hunter. And in a lot of ways, I think he could have mirrored what Malik Ben Levy did over four years in Coach Hunter's system, where Malik really didn't put together his best seasons until his junior and senior year. He played more as a sophomore. He didn't hardly play at all as a freshman, but he really found his role in the middle of the defense and setting everything. And so, like I say, best of luck to Cavante. I think that there could have been something there and stuff doesn't always work out, but this isn't a uh, case of being like, oh, well, bye. And then also for more a bit of concrete news in the Sunbelt world, Brady alluded to it earlier, but uh, Mark Byington, Georgia Southern head coach, leaving, uh, taking a job at JMU. Uh, what's our reaction to that? Uh, I'll, I'll let you take this one, Brady. Sure. Um, I think it's just kind of a general thing about coaches and when their names keep coming up in coaching searches for different schools, there starts to feel a little bit of an inevitability without knowing, you know, sometimes it's agents are putting the guy's name out there a lot because they want out. Or sometimes it just is happenstance and isn't to be read into, but his name had come up earlier in the year is alma mater. You see UNC William Wilmington, UNC Wilmington. And the he Seahawks. did he ended up not taking that job, but his name came up again for the James Madison job. And it just, it's one of those things where with all that they were losing kind of in the same way coach with coach Hunter leaving Georgia state last year, where it was going to be a task to build again anyway. And it's a area he's more familiar with. I know that he was an assistant at Virginia tech. He's more an admit Atlantic guy than he is just straight in the South. So the location makes sense and he got offered a six year deal. And so I wouldn't say it's necessarily a step up. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a step down either. It's kind of another, a lateral move. It's, it's another school that hasn't really had a lot of success. I think the last time they went to the tournament was in the last couple of years, but before then it had been since the, about the early nineties or the eighties, I want to say. And so it just kind of made sense. It felt like it was going to be a parting of ways. And I don't think their fans or their athletic department or he have any ill will about it. It just felt like one of those natural mutual decisions. And I think we'll see how it works out for them. They're going to have 
a little bit of a building task to do with all their losing in the roster and now instituting a new scheme with a new coach. But as we saw, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a bad team next year. Georgia state this year was everyone picked, you know, Georgia state was picked six by the coaches in the Sunbelt and they turned out finished fourth. But I think even in that finishing fourth, it was better than what people were expecting when they were saying, Oh, there's going to be middle of the road, you know? And so we don't know. We'll see how that hire turns out, but I will say speaking as a person who follows Georgia state and wishes them the best as far as their conference performance, seeing a team that was consistently around them in the top of the Sun Belt lose their head coach. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I, it is riskier now that they're on the, and now that they're on the lookout for a coach. Cause it's the, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side until it ain't. So we touched on earlier that we were going to talk a little bit about this whole pandemic situation. So update, there are no sports Taylor to you. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, basically, the coronavirus pandemic has brought the sports world at large to a screeching halt. Uh, the period of like 48, 36 hours between March 11th and March 12th of this year, I think, saw all major American sports postponed or canceled events for the next I mean, foreseeable future. Uh, all conference tournaments. Uh, men's and women's basketball tournaments were canceled or postponed indefinitely within like, I think, I feel like it was like 45 minutes of each other. And there were even still kids playing on the court when they're like, I remember specifically watching a big 10 tournament game and hearing the announcers go, I I don't know if this game's going to finish. We might be seeing the end of the sports right right now as, as we're speaking. Um, So obviously first reaction is my heart goes out to the kids who had their seasons ended abruptly uh, in a way that obviously is going to leave a bad taste in a lot of players' mouths, especially seniors. Uh, I mean, the, it's up in the air whether or not the NCAA will grant some sort of eligibility waiver for seniors to come back to play another year. Um, I don't even think it's worth speculating on that. Um, I, I do think that it's all but guaranteed spring sports will have an extra year of eligibility for all yeah. athletes. Fall sports wouldn't be a factor because their season played out. And I think that there's the question about winter sports, stuff like basketball. And I think it's the feeling is that's probably more of a pipe dream that that is probably not going to happen mm-hmm. given that they still did play the majority of their season. It just isn't really feasible. Um, but it does seem like the spring sports, your baseball, your softball, those, it sounds like, I don't know if the NCAA has concretely said yes, and this is how it's going to work, but I think the understanding is that there are going to be a year of eligibility there. So everyone has a chance in those sports to stay, and I don't know how it's going to play out. It's possible that some seniors are just going to take this time, especially if they have aspirations to maybe go to the MLB draft in baseball, say. Might just say, okay, that's how it played out, and it's time to move on. It seems like it's going to be a nightmare to work out the scholarship limits and all that goes along with that. And let alone how just much of a nightmare planning for the professional sports and the contract situations must be. I do not envy those people's jobs. Yeah. My heart also goes out to all the administrative workers at the NCAA office that aren't Mark Everett. (laughs) 
Um, we're but, not going to get the Mark Emmerich sponsor for the podcast now. Well, see what you did there. Brady, no one is sponsoring this podcast right now. That being said, which, if you want to sponsor, <laughs> you could be here. Um, but to bring it back to some more concrete Georgia State news, obviously the spring game has been canceled. All sporting events for uh, winter and spring uh, have been also indefinitely, indefinitely canceled. Um, so this is kind of just a period of just wait and see, just like the rest of us. Um, there's still, you know, stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll have some, you know, Georgia State off-season content that we've kind of internally discussed. We've opened that up to, um, you know, you, uh, listener suggestions and, you know, uh, fans of ours. If you guys have things that you want us to talk about um, or some kind of content that you'd like to see, we've already put that kind of stuff uh, out on uh, our Twitter and Facebook accounts, but please like we please engage with us. We want to be able to keep delivering quality content at this time. One, because we're all stuck at home, have nothing else to do. <laughs> so <laughs> please give us the opportunity to continue to uh, work on, you know, sharing great Georgia state centered content uh, throughout the next year. Uh, we don't know what the future holds, but we're going to keep uh, our mission of trying to provide the best quality content to the Georgia state community that we can, whether or not, there is actively games being played. Yeah. Moreover to what Taylor was saying, it's not even just about quality content. We want to make sure that it's what people want. We don't want to put all the effort in and have it come out. Oh, well, you know, you want to talk about that. And at some point, everyone's going to be all caught up on their shows. They're going to have nothing else to do. So I don't know. About that. I think it's just the law of like nature that no one is ever going to be caught up on all the shows they want to be caught up on. I mean, Will I ever I watch The Wire? The world may never know. You should. <laughs> I know. But, I mean, it's no use speculating months out. <laughs> I mean, None they, of us they are... delayed the Olympics, so I'm pretty sure we can safely say this is going to be a, little, a while before anything happens. I I don't, I mean, the Olympics is in a couple months. I, Not football, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the Olympics was scheduled to be in a couple months, so. Football is six months away. We couldn't predict what's going to happen one month away from now as far as this goes, unless you're a qualified medical health expert, in which case, please let us know. Uh, we'd like to be able to pretend we're experts, so give us all your information. <laughs> also, wash your hands. I know that and much. Stop buying all the toilet paper, please. But we're still interested in growing the Georgia State community such as we can during this time of unknowns and so please continue letting us know what you want to have please continue listening please continue engaging on twitter engaging on twitter even and we'll be there on the other side with you guys all right well thanks for joining us for this special coronavirus edition of the thursday night podcast that's probably going to release on tuesday morning but that's fine we're all at home we're working from home we're collecting our temporary unemployment or what have you or if you're not be safe wash your hands don't buy all the toilet paper, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. See ya. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments or to request information 
information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.